Hey, it's John. Just before we start the show, I want to point out that uh, if you are a patron of Underunderstood, it's going to sound like you have heard this story before. We publish an unsolved mystery to the Overunderstood feed. This is that story, but it's quite different from what you heard the first time. So if you've already heard the setup for this story, don't skip this one. We have a lot more in here. This is Underunderstood. Hello, everyone. Hi. Hey, John. Hi. I assume all three of you are familiar with archive.org? Oh, yeah. Yes. Love it. Indispensable resource. Yeah, so archive.org is an enormous repository for digital things uh, across the internet. And every now and then there are these things that go around. So like uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, we're recording this in May of 2020, a couple of weeks ago, there was this thing going around called the VHS Vault, which is a section of, in- of the Internet Archive where people are just uploading digital rips of VHS tapes that they have in their collection. It's just like this huge, it's it's a random assortment of old VHS stuff that was like recorded from TV and things. Oh, wow. That's amazing. The regular usage of head cleaners not only preserves the performance of your VCR, but it preserves the longevity of your VCR as well. Satanic cults and their various offshoots exist throughout the world. Welcome to the Microsoft Windows 95 Video Guide. This unique program will help teach you how to use many of the most important features of the new Windows 95 operating system. The, yeah, this Our is something that I feel like sessions. I'm just a little bit too young to have experienced firsthand of like when people used to trade VHS tapes and like copy them mm-hmm. and they were like there were like viral hits that happened on VHS tape. I think there's some of that here. A lot of it is just like shows taped from TV though. Like we've got like Kablam, all episodes, Nickelodeon commercial breaks, April, 1998, uh, Dragon Ball Z fusion, the last Cyan VHS. It's just like stuff that people, it's just a random assortment of VHSs. And a couple of weeks ago, someone added a, uh, a series of tapes to the VHS vault that consisted of 10 hours of extremely early MTV, including the first hours that MTV was on the air. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. I've watched some of this. This is cool stuff. Uh, and I downloaded the first two hours of it. Nice. Ladies and gentlemen, rock and roll. So last weekend, uh, we watched like the first two hours that MTV was on the air, which is fascinating in a lot of ways, but I want to play you this particular portion. Let me know if you can hear this. In the beginning was the music. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. But there was no one around to hear it. As the population grew in numbers, music grew in popularity. All right. So early MTV was, it was music television, right? They were saying all over the place that we're doing to TV what FM did to radio. High fidelity made quite a splash. And at this point, FM radio was fairly new, I suppose. FM radio also sounded better than AM radio. It was in stereo. You're with Mark Goodman on MTV, music television, the world's first video music channel. All day, all night, in stereo for you. It was all music, and in between music videos, you'd see... Uh, these these people that they refer to as VJs, like video jockeys, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was like radio, but on TV. MTV, music television. And uh, here is the sound from 
a VJ named Mark Goodman during one of the first hours that MTV was on MTV. TV. I hope you're watching us in stereo. I hope you have us on in stereo. Or maybe you're planning to hook up soon. <laughs> if you are, we got something to help you keep MTV at your fingertips. It's the MTV dial position sticker. Stick it on your stereo dial and it marks the exact spot where our sound comes in. Now for your dial position sticker, it doesn't glow in the dark or anything, but it's very handy. Send a self-addressed stamped envelope to MTV dial sticker, box 1370, Radio City Station, New York, New York, 10101. Are we on about 15 minutes? This is incredible. What? <laughs> it stayed up for 15 minutes. What did he think would happen? <laughs> yeah, right? Well, I think they really like leaned into that vibe, which is like, this is, we don't know what's going to happen. This is big and ambitious and it could all blow up. It's really exciting. That's, that's what I feel when I hear him say that. So, yeah, that was definitely part of it. Cable was relatively young. Without getting too far into it, stereo audio on TV was also relatively young. Call your cable company for details so you can stereoize your TV. Right, yeah. What was he talking about with the... Yeah. I don't understand. Yes, that is what I wanted to know. So the first thing I did when I heard this, I was like, what is this dial position sticker? Why would you send away for one? It's the MTV dial position sticker. Stick it on your stereo dial and it marks the exact spot where our sound comes in. So I googled MTV dial position sticker. I would like all of you to, to Google that right now, too. Okay. It auto-completed. Sure. Uh-huh. Uh, what do you see? I'm not seeing many pictures of it. I clicked into images. I see Mark Goodman. Yeah. Sure, that was the guy you just heard from. See, I see a tweet from... Yeah, I got that. Martha Quinn. Everybody get your MTV dial position sticker. Classic. I'm not seeing this sticker. I wanted to see the sticker, and then I can't find any photos of the sticker. Yeah, I don't see it anywhere. Well, so, so, so I saw that clip uh, in the context of the first hours of MPV on archive.org, like divorced of any, anything around it. So uh, when you Google MTV dial position sticker, you actually see that clip of Mark Goodman saying this about the sticker. And in the comment section on the YouTube upload of, of just this 40-second clip, it says, has anybody ever seen one of these stickers? I can't find a single pic of one. And someone replies, wow, I don't remember this at all. I do remember MTV airing live concerts Sunday nights and simulcasting some of them on local radio stations, which is interesting. And then this person says there is a glimpse of the MTV dial sticker here on YouTube hmm. and then links to a YouTube video that is taken down. But this person included the title MTV, your favorite music promo 1981. So I'm going to send you, I, I, I searched YouTube for that title and I found this video that I'm about to send you. Remember all the time you used to spend spinning your radio dial in search of your favorite music? Well, the search is over. Is that the sticker? That's pretty, it's pretty small. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It like flashes on. So, so what you're looking at there is an MTV promo that doesn't say anything explicitly about the, the dial sticker, but it does show this tuner dial like this little needle in front of a bunch of frequencies, and then the sticker pops in for a split second. It's this little boxy MTV sticker with a sliver in the middle that's supposed to like line up with where the dial goes. But I can't find anywhere on the internet this sticker anywhere. 
Yeah, I tried. I also tried searching on WorthPoint, which is like a big index of um, like vintage collectibles and what they're worth and stuff. Because mm-hmm. there's always kinds of all kinds of weird, obscure stuff on there, and nothing. Found some old MTV bumper stickers, other stuff, but not not this. So, so what is your question? You want to know, did they really make this sticker? Yeah, did MTV make this sticker and send it to anyone? And did anyone actually do this? And, and what were they for? Huh. Was that the only time you heard one of the VJs mention the sticker during the first two hours? Or did they talk about it, like, a lot? It showed up twice in the file I saw, but it looked like it was exactly the same take both times. Hmm. Okay, on the one hand... It makes no sense to me that they would not make this sticker. In fact, it looks like kind of a small, inexpensive sticker. They also probably thought a lot about how to market the new channel at launch, and this was probably a serious piece of it. It seems like there's really no reason for them not to follow through with that. On the other hand, it does seem like there would be a lot of people who would have the sticker still on their receiver in their garage somewhere from 1981. And it would be such a cool thing to have. I don't know. It seems like a cool thing to have a, a, a sticker from 1981. Maybe they made it and no one ordered it. I don't think anyone has it. I don't know. if you Because if you search it, all of the mentions of it are people, these are like write-ups mentioning mm-hmm. things about when MTV launched. You know, so there are people who did what you did, basically like watched some of the early footage and then wrote things about it. But there doesn't seem to be anyone actually saying that they have one that I could find. Right. Like even even if someone didn't save their their receiver, they haven't even said like, oh, yeah, I had that. Did you try mailing the P.O. box where um, <laughs> you can mail to get it? <laughs> no, it's I box didn't, but 1370 I, Radio City Station. I could York, certainly try. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't exist. I'm going to tell you now. I don't think it exists. You think it was never made? Yeah. I think there's a couple of things that could have happened. It could be that they had this big pile of beautiful stickers and literally no one wrote to them or three people wrote to them or 10 people wrote. Or they had plans for this. They assigned it to an intern who just (laughs) never mailed them. Yeah. I could see MTV being kind of a mess in the beginning. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I don't know. I want to find a sticker. Give me a sticker. They don't exist. Let's find one. Coming up, John touches that dial. Hello, listeners. It's Billy. This is the part of the show where you would normally hear an ad or maybe a promo for a podcast on the same podcast network, except we're not part of a podcast network and and we don't really have anything to advertise other than ourselves because we are a 100% independent production. The four of us that you hear on the show, we make this in our spare time and the way that we fund it is through Patreon. So you can go to patreon.com slash underunderstood And if you're so kind as to give us $5, you'll get access to a whole second show that we do every week 
including weeks when the main show is on hiatus. It's a little looser than this show, a little chattier, and also a little more interactive because sometimes we present stories on there that we haven't been able to solve yet, which was the case with this story. We shared it on our bonus podcast, Over Understood. So it's also a fun way to participate in the show in addition to supporting us. So if you'd like to do that, again, go to patreon.com slash underunderstood or click the link in the bottom of the show notes. A big, big thank you to everyone who has supported us so far. You are the reason this show continues to exist. Hey, friends, we're back. Yes, we are. Hi, John. Uh, We're down one. Adrian's not here. She's not. Between the beginning of the story and now, Adrian had a baby, so she is out on parental leave. When we left this story, um, you might remember I said that I want my MTV. Dial position sticker. <laughs> I, I uh, regrettably, I, I remember yeah. that, yeah. Okay. We'll get to whether the stickers exist or not, um, but we should start by talking about what the MTV dial position sticker means. Okay. This is going to be a little easier to follow if you're listening to this on headphones. You're listening to this podcast right now in stereo. And what that means is that there are two channels of audio. So one on the left speaker or headphone and one on the right. Can I do do the right side? Oh, sure, sure. That means there's one on the left speaker or headphone. And another on the right. Thank you, Billy. We we should just keep it that way permanently because sometimes... No. I've heard from people that they can't tell the two male hosts apart and the two female hosts oh, apart. Oh, that's a really good idea. Like, put one... one Like, put me and Billy on, like, the left side and then yeah. John and Adrian on the right side and right. you can always tell. Right, I can't yeah. think of anything more annoying to listen to it than makes, that. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. So, anyway, stereo means there are two channels of audio. When there's only one channel of audio... We call that mono. <laughs> I feel like this is really... Do, does, does this need to no, be explained I to people? I honestly don't think this is too much. Like, really? I appreciate the explainer. Okay. I, I I concede. But I feel like most people know this. Now you're just making the people who don't know feel bad. Like, well, is, come on. Take a Latin class. Mm. Um, let's hear the same difference in music. Here's our theme song mixed down to mono. And here's the theme song in normal stereo. When we mixed the song, we made the left and right a little bit different from each other, placing some instruments in different points in space and making the sound occupy a virtual like stage, right? Stereo sounds normal to most of us now, but until the mid-1960s, most music was released in mono, and it was rare to have a stereo speaker set up in your home. We will come back to that idea, But for now, the difference between mono and stereo is key to understanding why MTV was pushing this dial position sticker and stereo sound on day one of MTV. And to bring us back to day one, here is Fred Seibert. I make cartoons for television and, I guess, streaming. Uh, More interesting for us today, Fred was one of the founders of MTV. I was the original creative director and ran the areas that were everything but the music videos. I joined that company actually to work for another part of it, uh, the movie channel, and I got involved in MTV literally the first day they decided to do it, you know, which was about a little over a year before we actually went on the air. So in the early 80s, 
The Movie Channel, Nickelodeon, Showtime, and MTV were all owned by Warner Amex Satellite Entertainment, which would later become MTV Networks. They funded us, but like a startup, you know, we all worked for intern wages. And I think initially, we maybe had one person on the team that had ever worked in television. So it was nutty. You know, we had a lot of work to do and nobody even understood what cable television was. It was chaotic, it was busy, it was exciting, it was different. And it was in stereo. Mm -hmm. For TV, stereo sound was a novel thing in 1981. Like the TVs themselves only had a single speaker built into them. So they were mono by definition. There weren't any stereo TV networks around, but Fred and his team decided that this was one of the ways MTV would stand out from other channels. And finding ways to stand out from other channels was really important to them. If you think about television as a rule, here's what promotion is. Watch this episode at 8 o'clock. It's very special. Somebody got a haircut. (laughs) Well, we had no shows. We had no time. We didn't know when the next Duran Duran video would play. so the tools of promotion couldn't be the same. I thought that, okay, well, one of our jobs is we need to teach people how to use this thing. And eventually I came up with a scheme of telling people things about us. We, we did a list one day of a hundred things that we thought MTV was. And then we reshuffled the list into seven or eight buckets. I said, okay, that's what we promote. Tell people what in stereo means. Right. Tell people what 24 hours a day mean, but do it in the craziest, lunatic, crazy shit way that you can come up with of getting to that story. And, you know, you you remember from your kidhood that we told a lot of fun, wacky stories in wacky ways that all ended up with an idea that taught you something about MTV. You're watching MTV Music Television, the world's first stereo video music channel. But if you're not listening to MTV in stereo, you're only getting half the picture. MTV presents Stereo Test number 39, a service to help viewers adjust their stereo hookup for optimum effect. Your stereo and TV should now be in perfect sync. If your receiver is not hooked up to your television, you're not receiving MTV in stereo. Please contact your local cable company for a special hookup. So stereo sound was one of the things that Fred and his team needed to teach the audience about. Why was it important for MTV to be in stereo? So you're young. So you didn't live in a mono world. Right. The modern explosion of rock and roll wasn't Elvis, it was the Beatles. At least that's my I'm that's my story. I'm sticking to it because they came out when I was 12. Mm-hmm. And it was the era of you'd go into a record store, every album was there in duplicate because there was a mono version and a stereo version. And the mono version was a dollar cheaper. You know, you'd say to your parents, you know, but I want the stereo one. And they'd go, no, 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 it's, you know, this is a dollar cheaper. So we all fought and we fought to get stereo. It was the equivalent of television fighting to go from black and white to uh, color. Stereo was on so many levels endemic to rock and roll. 
I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. Like it, you, it makes you feel less removed from the music that you are like so invested in and related to. Like you're like, you just feel so much closer to it. And so I think that makes sense to me. I think the Beatles point is important, especially for people who grew up and remember that because the way that those were mixed in stereo is much different than what people experience as stereo audio now to the point where most of them have been remixed so they don't sound weird. But it was done in a very overt way where the vocals are separated from the instrumentals. Uh, So it, it makes sense that he points to that because that was like, that was really sort of aggressively marketed to people as like, this is a new innovation and you can really hear the difference. I think another piece of what Fred is talking about is also what was happening with radio too. So AM radio was the original radio, right? AM broadcast radio is mono. It's pretty low fidelity um, compared to, even compared to the music that you would buy on vinyl or tape or whatever. FM radio was higher fidelity and it was capable of stereo sound. So in, in the U.S., FM stations started broadcasting stereo in 1961, mm-hmm. but FM listenership didn't surpass AM listenership until the late 70s. Is that because people didn't ha- have radios that were compatible with I think that FM? might have been part of it. I think it's also just like formats take a long time to switch over, right? Right. But were a lot of stations like dual broadcasting in AM and FM during that time? Yeah, that was a lot of what FM was at the beginning was like s- right. better mm-hmm. simulcasts of an equivalent AM station. You still see this a little bit, like um, the sports right. uh, station that I listen to um, does this in the New York market. I think a lot of N- NPR stations do the same thing. Yeah. But when you hear these MTV VJs saying things like, MTV is doing to TV what FM did to radio, the sound is part of what they're talking about there. But remember, in 1981, when MTV was getting started, TVs only had one speaker in them anyway. Now, as the big boss at MTV said, what do you care about stereo? This thing is a metal box with a speaker in the side. What do you care? And we go, Jack, you don't understand. Sort of turns out Jack was right, though. (laughs) Jack was partially right. And I think Fred and his creative partner, Alan Goodman, kind of knew that in the back of their minds. It wasn't really about what the viewers at home would actually hear. It was about marketing it. Yeah. So <laughs> hmm. they were using stereo to sell MTV to potential advertisers and cable operators. Right. The companies that you would actually buy your cable from. Alan said, you know, there are these great radio spots for drag racing in New Jersey. Sunday on Raceway Park. Sunday. This ad you're listening to is actually from Chicago, but, you know, same idea. And on the FM versions of the spots, Sunday bounced back and forth between the speakers. Mm -hmm. That's what we're going to do. And he had an announcer read every one of those things in separate lines and put one in one speaker, one in the other speaker. And in the cable operator event that we did, We set up giant PA like it was a concert. I got to tell you something. You have never seen cable operators jump up from their seats and with their cigars and their cigarettes, you know, and give you a standing ovation for rock and roll tape. It was like unbelievable. 
And that's why we needed to be in stereo. It was the biggest selling proposition that we could have, whether anyone actually listened to it in stereo or not. <laughs> All right. So it was like the, the, the nerds behind it got on board because <laughs> of this. And so then they would push it. Is that what we're saying with like cable operators? It was vaporware, basically. It kind of, yeah, it was hype. It was like, get on board. This is the this is the future. We're future focused. And if you're not on board, you just don't understand. Yeah, don't miss out on this. Yeah. Um, I guess this would be a good time to mention that none of the clips from the first year of MTV I've been able to find have actually been posted online in stereo. <laughs> it was so rare to actually have the equipment for it that I don't I just don't think anybody was recording any of these broadcasts at home in stereo. Yeah. <laughs> so if the TV is playing through, you know, the TV speakers and the TV speakers are not in stereo, but MTV is broadcasting in stereo, then how are you supposed to listen to it in mm -hmm. stereo? This is a good question. Uh, the setup for this was complicated. Uh, <laughs> Shocking. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, luckily, we have an expert on hand to walk us through it. Uh, I'm David Sedman. I'm an associate dean in the Meadows School of the Arts at Southern Methodist University, and I teach radio, television, and film throughout my uh, career there. Uh, so I found David through a chapter he wrote in an anthology that was called Living Stereo, Histories and Cultures of Multi-Channel Sound. In his chapter, he lays out how MTV specifically approached stereo sound. Um, well, Warner MX uh, Satellite, they went on the air um, with uh, three channels in stereo before stereo television was really out there. So uh, Warner MX gets a, a lot of credit for doing that. They did it with the movie channel, with Nickelodeon, and with MTV. But we know that the issue is that the TVs in the 80s didn't have two speakers. So how are you going to get stereo sound into people's homes. Since there were no stereo televisions, they wanted cable companies to uh, adopt stereo FM uh, services, and that way that people could get FM stations from all over the country, but also they could get certain services like the movie channel and uh, MTV uh, in stereo. So what does that mean? So FM through the cable service. Mm -hmm. So you have a TV, you have a stereo, <laughs> a you right. have a stereo setup. <laughs> how how are you listening to the FM stations on your stereo? So this is a little bit complicated and counterintuitive. Bear with me here. Some people realized that you could send FM radio signals over the same cables that came into cable customers' homes. Mm. So like analog FM radio signals over a wire rather than through the air. Oh, oh, I see. So that's why he's saying you can get radio stations from all over the country because you're not actually receiving them over the air. And that's why you need the cable companies buy-in. Sort of, yes. Um, David referred to these FM signals as sidebands. They're channels that sit sort of next to the cable TV signals on the same cable, right? They really were FM radio signals just delivered over a wire instead of over the air. So, like Billy, you're right. A cable carrier could, for instance, offer local radio stations or radio stations from anywhere in the country on those sideband channels delivered into your home through the wire in the, in the wall. Um, but they could also use this to carry the stereo audio for TV channels on the cable service. And did they actually ever do either of these things? 
they did both of these things. Oh, depending really? Depending on the market. Ooh. Yeah. So the, the ideal setup for this would be that you have your television and somewhere next to that or in the same room, you have like a stereo setup where you have your like big receiver and maybe a record player or cassette player plugged into that. And you have nice speakers into your receiver. And then from your, you, I, how does it work? You split <laughs> off the cable yeah. signal from the TV. Yeah. You're on the right track. Does, does the cable go into the TV and then the TV splits it out into the receiver? You know, like, <laughs> um, you're on the right track. You were right about the stereo receiver. So your stereo receiver is the thing that'll like come, you know, be the hub of your stereo. And you plug your tape deck into there, your record player into there. Um, most of them had an FM tuner inside also with an antenna out the back. And so here's where things get really squirrely. Remember Mark Goodman, the VJ, uh, talking about asking your cable operator for a cable hookup? We heard him at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fred remembered what those were. Our engineering department came up with a, you know, some jerry-rigged thing where you would take your cable um, line coming in with a splitter and one would go to your TV and one would go to a little box that we gave them that they could plug into their stereo and that they could put their things, you know, their speakers next to the TV. Are you following this? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah, so in order to actually hear one of the stereo signals, you'd have to take the cable coming out of the wall, use a splitter, split that signal into two wires. One of the wires would connect to your TV like normal. It's just getting the normal cable signal. The other wire would get connected to your stereo system, basically taking the place of your FM antenna. Mm -hmm. So in order to hear the stereo sideband channels, you would tune your FM radio to whatever specific frequencies these channels were coming in on. And you'd have the sound coming out of your stereo. It's like, it's a lot to set up. It's like, it's like a whole new level to the like classic problem of like having five remotes and having to make sure everything (laughs) coordinates. It's like a more manual version of that. You have to like get up and like set your TV to a certain thing and then set your stereo to a certain thing. Well, right. And they can't even say it like in the, in the ad, like, oh, tune to this setting, right? Because that would be different based on where you were. You have hit upon the reason we have the dial position stickers. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> the idea about the sticker is that you'd put this thing lined up on your FM dial and mark the fake station where MTV sound is coming in. So when it's time to watch TV, you know, you'd tune the TV to MTV. You would mute the TV's speaker, which is coming in in mono. And then you would tune the stereo's radio to the FM station that's marked it's, with the sticker. Who would do this? It's like... It's more complicated than like landing an airplane or something. Yes. It's like who would go through all of Here's this trouble? The thing. I feel like both of you would go through this trouble. <laughs> I mean, yes. Like 100%. You're not wrong. Uh, yeah, you're not. Yeah, I yes. know. I mean, this yeah, no, I asked Fred the same thing basically. Did you have the stereo hookup for MTV at home? I tried. What does that mean? <laughs> I think I took one of those things and like tried to hook it up. And then I realized that moving my TV between my speakers or my speakers between TV was like, didn't work in my small New York apartment. And that was that. So you couldn't get MTV in stereo at home? No way. (laughs) (laughs) But I knew it was in stereo. (laughs) 
So the question now becomes, did anyone ever get a sticker? David, the stereo TV expert from earlier, he doesn't think so. I don't think they exist. I really don't. I just think it was an idea that they were uh, throwing around. If they do exist and I had one, I would definitely show you with pride that I have (laughs) one of those because that's something I would have kept forever. Why don't you think they'd exist? It's it's kind of goofy um, to put that on a radio. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, and I think the other thing is that there's just not a lot of people who are doing this. They weren't doing these simulcasts with their radio and their television in, in that way. We just didn't have home theaters in 1981 and 82 the way we do today. And Fred, of course, corroborated this, that very, very few people ever took them up on getting their hookup kits. Nobody ever ordered them. We had like hundreds of them, but no one ever ordered them. Huh. Mm. But like, the sticker itself was advertised in the very first hour of MTV, right? Fred was there for that. Surely he would remember seeing it if it existed. Do you remember the dial sticker at all? I don't remember the dial sticker. If you tell me there was a dial sticker, I believe you. But I don't recall one thing about it. I don't recall coming up with it because my team would have had to design it. And I should mention here also, I, I had a very brief email uh, conversation with Mark Goodman, the VJ from the first hour. And that exchange ended with him telling me, I think they were real because they had us talking about them on the air. And I never heard anyone say they asked for them and I didn't get them. And I have to imagine somebody asked, but he also didn't remember them. He just says because they were on the air, they must have existed. Yeah, I just I just think that it didn't exist, you know? I mean, it is telling that it seems like no one that you talked to who was involved with MTV even had this. Right. So it wasn't even, they weren't even doing the, like, eat your own dog food thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, it seems like they just had an idea for a type of dog food and talked about it for a day and then And, like, if the, the dogs had wanted the dog food, they would have made the dog food. But they did. Right. And there was only a couple of dogs watching at the time anyway. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I thought that's where this story would end. But by the time I woke up the morning after talking to Fred, I had this pile of forwarded emails in my inbox from him. These threads went back and forth between lots of people, uh, most of whom I hadn't heard of before. And I was honestly, I was confused by what I was looking at. So I got back on the phone with Fred. Yep, I got it. 27 people in the thread. Okay. Oh my God, really? Uh, 27 emails in the thread, I should say. So many emails. I sort of love that we're like behind a reunion. Yeah, you're (laughs) like, they're all going to start a group chat now. Yeah, I'm super into this. You know, it's an interesting thing about a thing like MTV. We were all excited to be there. We were proud that it worked. And Bob Pittman, who was the guy who put the team together, was incredibly good at creating a culture that we gave a shit about. So that's, I only need to send out a few emails and boom. Oh, yeah. Love this. Um, This feels familiar to me. I think this podcast exists even because of a kind of a similar environment at work where the four of us met. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, So I'm scrolling through this email chain, and one of the messages has a bunch of photos in it of that stereo hookup kit. Wow. Wait, he still has it hooked up? No, no, no. It's just like in a box. (laughs) I was like, what? He saved all of the different pieces just so that he could move it. (laughs) 
I really want to hang out at this guy's place. It's like a preserved, like, Wayne's World era. Like, it just plays static now. <laughs> yeah. So who is this who had the kit still? Uh, Alan Goodman was my creative partner at MTV. And so you emailed him and he sent you back this thing. What is? What are we looking at here? So what do you know? You can make your TV stereo, easy stereo hookup for MTV, I think is what it says. Uh, the thrill of stereo sound. Alan wrote all the copy, by the way, because he's a writer. And he hung on to this thing, it seems like. God bless him. Here's the photo. Uh, the kit <laughs> The kit looks great. It says, what do you know? You can make your TV stereo. And there's a guy being shown on an 80s TV surrounded by these big stereo speakers and a stereo receiver and some other box. Um, and he's got photos of the manual here, too, which seems pretty detailed and helpful, uh, as well as the actual splitter mechanism and a bunch of cables. So this guy has kept these things for all these years. None of this, by the way, is the FM sticker that you were looking for. <laughs> well, yeah, like, so Alan didn't remember the sticker? He, he and I, it seems, had nothing to do with the sticker. But there were other folks on the thread from other departments at MTV. So John Shaker and Nancy Feingold were in the affiliate relations department. They dealt with the cable operators. Okay. And uh, they recall we promoted the stereo plug in feature to get MTV and stereo. That email from John Shaker goes on. So actually, while I don't remember specifics, this makes sense and could be true. To execute on this is a long shot for us back then and a minuscule priority and shows why we can't remember. But that's not where the thread ended. John Sykes, who is now the president of iHeart Entertainment, mm -hmm. at the time was a director of promotion of MTV. And what did he tell you about the sticker? Okay, he said, uh, Sykes, Sykes, Sykes. John Sykes. Oh, yes, we printed them. I think I have a box in my basement. And we mailed them out from my office. What? <gasps> and that's all he gave? Yes. So it was real? Yeah, yeah. What? Oh, wow. Wait, so they did actually mail them, too? It sounds like it. This is all I have. Oh, my God. Huh. I did reach out to John Sykes and never heard back. Which makes sense. This is a very unimportant question for someone who seems uh, pretty busy. Oh, my God. So I don't have an actual sticker on me here. But that's fine because we have our first confirmation that there actually really, really was a physical MTV dial position sticker. I love the idea that he's just like putting these in envelopes <laughs> in his... frantically. Yeah. Just like, uh, just like licking, just licking <laughs> envelopes. And on top of all that. Fred heard from another old colleague who worked on the technical side at MTV. This is from somebody who has a better memory than everybody. I remember these stickers. They had the MTV logo on them. And then underneath was a blank area to write the FM frequency on this sticker. But I believe very few of these were sent out. If we pull up a screen grab of that MTV promo from the beginning of the story, you'll see that it basically matches this description exactly. It's a white rectangle with the MTV logo on top, and there's this vertical slit where the FM dial is supposed to line up. And then there's this white area open on the bottom, perfect for writing a number on it. As far as I can tell, 
A split second glimpse in this one promo is the only record of this sticker on the internet. This harebrained FM frequency stereo hookup thing probably just didn't seem important enough to keep pushing beyond the earliest days of MTV. So it's unlikely that many people, if any, ever actually got one of these things. But they did exist. Do you know, did, uh, I guess he didn't tell you, but like, did they look like what's in this image? Show me the image again. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That that was it. Jeez. Yeah. God bless him. <laughs> Under Understood is Adrian Jeffries, Regina DeLay, Billy Disney, and me, John Loco Marcino. If you would like to kindly throw some money our way, we have a Patreon. $5 a month there will get you access to our weekly bonus show. And also, you know, just give you the warm, fuzzy feeling of supporting an independent podcast. You can find out about that at patreon.com slash underunderstood. If you have a question the internet can't answer, we want to hear it. Email hello at underunderstood, and we might turn it into an episode. And as always, if you like the show, tell a friend about it. Thank you so much once again for listening to the show. We'll be back with more in two weeks.